And good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and this is Finding a Voice, spoken word programming here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And coming up, <coughs> excuse me, on the show today, uh, you're going to hear in the first hour uh, from the March 28th Viva Voce uh, Wonders event held at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. You'll hear Gabriel Pulver, Aliyah Mohammed, Fiona Fox, and Cindy Lamb and their readings in that storytelling event. And in addition, uh, with the event emceed by Managing uh, Director of Juniper, uh, Junibus, uh, sorry about that, uh, that person is uh, Maureen Barnes. Uh, you'll hear highlights of the upcoming Juvenus Festival, May 1st through 11th, and Specifically, I think, uh, was the official announcement of the workshops that are part of it. So that will be mixed in between uh, the readings. And in the second hour, from the April 2nd open mic in the End the Journey Continues monthly reading series, you'll hear readings in the round uh, by uh, Ron Chase, Benjamin Laughlin, Alyssa Cooper, Jenny Marshall, Michael Castiles, Sarah Emtish, Bob McKenzie, Mike Williams, Lee Ann Taras, Alyssa Chisholm, Carlos Sanchez, Colleen Lines, Michelle McTogg, Kinman, Dean Albertini, and Sasha Hill. And I'll explain why there are so many when we get into the second hour. So and it's an altogether different format for that series. So in the future, you're going to hear more introductions like that. So First, though, uh, the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, smoked word, or music played on this show it may contain strong language, but all is played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. I should have a bit of time at the end of both hours today, I think, uh, especially the first, uh, to share some upcoming events or calls. And so I'll tell you what, uh, let's uh, go ahead and... Uh, go into that March 28th uh, Viva Voce event. Uh, the theme of that storytelling event, again, was Wonders. And uh, Coen Seed, and I think uh, she's instrumental in putting together that. Uh, first, you're going to hear Gabrielle Pulver and her reading in it. Get this set up here. I thought it was. Oh, my gosh. I don't know where everything went. Give me a second here. I will tell you that uh, you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, and this is Finding a Voice, and hopefully that gives me enough time to get this all loaded up. So again, here is Gabrielle Pulver. Enjoy, help yourself to juice boxes and granola bars provided by the library. Uh, before we start, I just wanted to acknowledge that we're situated on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory, so we're just we're very grateful 
for Leaks of This Land. And yeah, so this is Viva Voce Wonders, and we're going to have a variety of spoken word and poetry and music and storytelling. Um, and then in dispersed throughout the acts, there'll be Juvenus Festival announcement, so that will be really cool to learn about. Yeah, I'm just going to breathe because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the show. Do I need to use the mic? Are you guys okay to hear me without the mic? Yeah, okay, yeah. it's a very small space. Okay. So I wrote this poem. Well, I don't know. I don't really consider my work poetry because I don't really follow any rules of poetry. I kind of just write. Um, so it's definitely just free-flowing thoughts from my brain, and I kind of just let my pen sort of... I channel it through that and hope for the best. So I would say it's just, yeah, just free-flowing writing. So yeah, this one I wrote for uh, this event, and it's called Wonders. <laughs> okay. Five years old, driving back from swimming, slurping the Five Alive juice box, backseat car seat buckled in along the bumpy road. And I wonder out loud, what happens when you die? Small voice raising in a question and inquisitive quiver. Later, I wonder, toys tucked in for their bedtime slumber, my young brain teeming with existential ponders. What does it mean to be? What is life? What does death mean? Where are dreams caught once they are dreamt? Sleep made its well-meant attempt to catch me, but I wondered on, my brain swollen with thoughts. Do bees enjoy their honey? Do flowers know of their beauty? Does a bird have a favorite song? The web of sleep is strong, and as I fell into my deep slumber, I wonder, can you really hear the sounds of the sea with a seashell? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Walking home from school, I shiver as I wonder, will my mother's back break if I step on this crack? What is real? What makes a fact? I wander along the sidewalk path. I murmur a melody. I hum a small tune. I wish a big wish, blowing feather white fluff from a dead dandelion, and I wonder if it will come true. Two often questions are left unanswered, lonely in their void of lost wonders, forgotten plunders of a midnight ponder. I was never fond of an unanswered question. Inquisition left alone, question marked home, blown away, up, 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 like a lost red balloon. Can a balloon float all the way to the moon? And why is the sky blue? A lot of things I don't have a clue. This world seems sometimes like a locked box of mystery, and I can't seem to find that lousy lost key. But most of all, young me would wonder, are witches real? Terrified of witches. After goodnight kisses, I imagine their needle-sharp voices cackling evil into my ear. My fear seeps into my sleep, sewn into my dreams like stitches. The nightmare gallops on, tosses me into the witch's dark lair. I get caught in the web, the witch is boiling sticky green soup and holding a giant pair of silver scissors, cackling, come closer, come closer, my darling scissors, chop, chop, chopping to chop off my hair. I dream, I scream, I cannot bear the thought of chopped hair, my fear burning like pain. I was a vain child. But only mildly so. I wear muddy clothes with a head full of tangles, as tangled as my thoughts, spinning after a nightmare parade of fear. I fear my wonders wild. Are witches real? Are they near? But sometimes everything becomes clear. When I was eight years old, I was so certain, so sure that I was the oldest girl in the world. Even older than the nine-year-olds, I cannot explain why, but wow, that certainty gave me a high, a buzz, a sugar rush of knowing. Age eight, the oldest girl in the world. Ever wonder how thinking thought link into your brain? Ask eight-year-olds, they know that brains work like so. Many tiny TVs stacked atop one another like a precarious game of Jenga, Lego blocks dirty like a wall full of bookshelves, TVs blinking their many shows, the shows of thoughts you think in your head, all blinking, all singing, all snowstorm thundering, their secret silent tsunami of thoughts. Too loud? Just turn the volume off. A hundred TVs and only watch one. Let it be Arthur. But yet I wonder, do all brains work the same like a bubblegum machine? Popping with wonderings? 
Not as innocent as I looked, with my pigtails, I spun some of the most morbid tales. I wondered about darkness, what's hidden in the shadows, in the places we can't watch. I wondered what will creep out and kill cold-blooded murder. Are those invisible eyes watching when I feel that chill, that shiver down my spine? I'm fine to stay home alone as long as the murderers stay locked away and the witches, the zombies, the, mas- the, masters, the monsters, the creepy wonders stay at bay. When I was nine, my friend told me she was transforming into a cat. Like the N-word, she told me, because she had a feline teeth like a cat, she hissed. And I wondered, what was real? What was a fact? And what was impossible, fantastical, fake? Often I would make a wish for impossible delight. And often I would wonder what happens truly in the night. That small voice whispering its wondrous plight, what happens when you die? What lies above the sky? What dwells beneath the sea? Are there creatures we can't see? Colors we don't know and melodies we can't even imagine? Do dolphins know the answer to the universe? Are we all really cursed? Where do ducks go in the winter? Can someone become a professional thinker? I wonder if five-year-old me would be proud I now study philosophy. But yet I still wonder, what happens when you die? My mother said it was a stage, this morbid wonder. The wonders like my childhood monsters run wild, no longer a child. I try to realize some wonders are best left alone, tucked away, locked up, silent in their dark, mysterious cage, a pile stacked high, a tower of one of unanswerable. But in the darkest witching hour, I still wonder, what happens in the night? In the darkness you can't see, in bed as I lie, a small five-year-old voice whispering to me, what happens when you die? I wonder. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. Also, thank you, Gabrielle, for curating Viva Voce. Another round of applause for Gabrielle. Can you distinguish between a northern brook lamprey and a sea lamprey? How about a white bass and a white perch? They may look alike, but only two threaten the national environment and impact the native fish populations inside Lake Ontario. As an angler, you can make a difference and combat the spread of these and other harmful invasive species of fish in your area. Avoid releasing live bait back into the water and report sightings of invasive species to the Invading Species Hotline at 1-800-563-7711. It's not too late. To learn more about how you can help stop the spread of invasive species in our waterways, visit www.invadingspecies.com. And before the uh, message, uh, you heard Gabrielle Pulver at the Viva Voce event on March 28th, held at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library's Central Branch in downtown. And uh, And uh, up next in the event that evening, here is Aliyah Mohammed. I'm going to give you a brief detail on each. However, much more information and in-depth material will be on our website come April 1st, which is also when registration starts for workshops. So if anyone hasn't been to a Juvenus workshop before, um, they're completely free for anyone ages 13 to 30, and they're amazing professional workshops, and we're so lucky to have these artists on with us. All right, so on our first day, May 1st, all right, <laughs> yay, 
Kicking us off is Mark Bergen with his photography workshop. This is Mark's third year with the Juvenus Festival. Bring him back one more time. Um, Mark is the artistic director of Street Ballerinas. So he likes to take photos of ballerinas in weird places around Kingston. Um, and then after that, we have our education director, Liv Rondeau, um, who will be doing a clowning workshop. So Liv went to Brock and she studied theater, but she also specialized in clowning. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thursday, May 2nd, it's a party at the Agnes. We have Barb Danielewski doing a contemporary art party screen printing workshop. Um, and that's where the dream tattoos come into place. So if you haven't already, um, grab a sheet of paper and doodle your dream tattoo for a chance to win. Um, Barb will be taking the two winners and turning those tattoo designs into screens to use at her workshop. Yeah. All right, and then after Barb, we have Harper. So I don't know if anyone here has been to an art hive before, but this specific Harper Johnson art hive will be um, decorating CD covers. Heck yeah. <laughs> Friday, May 3rd, another party at the Agnes, but also the Rotunda. We have Jill Glatt's um, intro to Lino Cut, which will be taking place during the Agnes's launch. So you can come for their launch, but you can also go to a free workshop. Double win. And also on that same day, we have Ali Payan, who is right here. Um, and she will be doing musical theater dance for all ages from four to five in the Rotunda Theater, which is also the location for Fame Junior, which Ali's directing. Full circle. <laughs> okay. Saturday, May 4th, we have starting off with Haley Can with self care for musicians and performers. So we've noticed, and I'm sure the musicians in the room can can uh, confirm that musicians often burn out because you're working so hard and you're draining physically. And so Haley's gonna give you some tips and tricks and she's a trained therapist on uh, how to take care of yourself. Yeah. And then after that, we have Jefferson Chung's freestyle pop and locking, something um, I'm excited to learn. Also in the Rotunda Theater. And we have Serena Cormier's making art more accessible, specifically live performance and um, visual accessibility. So Serena's uh, a legally blind um, woman who recently moved to Kingston and she noticed that Kingston isn't always very uh, visually accessible. So she thought, I'm gonna start a company and start making workshops for this. And so we're very excited to have Serena on board. All right, and now we have our next storyteller, um, well, poetry. Yeah, yeah. 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 Aliyah <laughs> Muhammad, thank you, thank you. So, um, kind of a hard act to follow, that's okay. Uh, we didn't talk about this before, but what I'm gonna be um, like presenting turned out to be pretty similar to like the format of Gabrielle's running. So, it's called Hard Candy. I am five years old and want so very badly to believe in magic. My Tamagotchi is pretty close. But the real magic appears in the blood pooling on my knees from gravity's pull and its need to play Cupid with my body in the concrete. From the bite of wood and sand, hot metal monkey bars, and sticky trees with fragrant leaves. From the way my grandmother dips the discarded ends of okra into blue food coloring and makes prints of unknown flowers on the back of envelopes. The Price is Right jingles in the background. My hair is in redundant curlers. I am five years old and wonder is inherent in the mundane. I am six years old and I see, quite literally, 
a real-life world being constructed from the blank canvas of GTA Suburbia. My brown-brown eyes marvel out the back door into a dreamscape of grass being rolled onto the ground. An endless, fenceless infinity of suburbia looms ahead. I couldn't believe it. Grass doesn't grow? My 21-year-old self marvels at the absurdity, an actual construction of reality. It really is like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Satire, huh? They literally put the grass there, a semblance of natural phenomenon. Or is it a constellation? I am eight. I am all small flesh and growing pains, and my father rubs my little feet so I can sleep soundly. I don't believe he leaves when I am asleep. Rather, he must simply dissolve into my bed. I am little and my bed is big, and so she swallows me whole. I am digested. The springs hurt my limbs. My ribcage bends like the harp strings of stupid little cherubs. I am eight and I am choking, and my lungs squish and squeeze through my trachea like soap escapes through the clenching of a fist. Eyes darting in the darkness. They detach from my sockets and float and flee to the green carpet room of my parents. They plunk onto the cold spot of pillow and wonder when my eyelid will join and blanket the moisture, cover the fear, and beckon sleep to press its hot lips to my forehead. One day, my father, bless his sweet bald-headed soul, uncurls his fist and down his $3.64 onto my parents' dresser. Me, bless my sweet and salty ten-year-old brain, pokes at the toony loony quarters and all. She asks, Dada, that's all they pay you? I marvel at our carpeted floors and pink walls, but more importantly at my shoes, my clothes, my Kilroy notebooks, and 64 gel pens. Yes, only I was able to be happy off the apparent $3.64 that clouded from my father's fist. Blissful ten-year-old ignorance drug my head and got me into trouble. I am 11 and finally worthy of the gift of sleep, but nothing is perfect. Sunday mornings rip the blankets from my skin and drag my body to the mosque. I arrive and leave with balanced out. Sister Farnes says celebrating your birthday is haram. She makes me stand on a chair. My childhood heart is soft, but the humiliation does not make me cry. It makes me hard and mean. Only in subsequent years did I realize that I was subliminally taught to question, not wonder. I don't know how old I am when I start to wonder why men are attracted to women if all my parents do is argue. I don't know what love is. All I do is scoff and sneer, snicker, slander, and roll my eyeballs 180 degrees and hope they like what they see in the gray-pink mesh of my brain. Because I can't comprehend what I see on the outside, so all I can do is wonder. What I do know is that the anxiety from even the slightest lift in voices, which loft like liquid fire from the kitchen to my room, is debilitating. My layers of self manifest as delicate golden brown puff pastry. Layers of child, tween, teen, and young adult have baked at approximately 400 degrees Celsius in ferocity and fear. Tasty. I am 14, 15, 16, 17, and I wonder when I will be loved. Forever selfish, I expect the boy of my teenage dreams to waltz in with a grass green soul and a worn t-shirt of a smile. My iPod shuffle plays fall for you by secondhand serenade and I fake tears as I fall asleep because I want to take part in collective teen angus. Crush, 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 they come and go, and my semi-soft candy cinnamon spice heart burns and breaks and sheds and cracks and is never fully satisfied until I harden into place as a ceramic 18-year-old bluebell. I am 21, and the profoundness of my thoughts scare those who care about me. Can grapes cure depression? Is solipsism real? How can mirrors be real if our eyes aren't real? Was Shakespeare a plothead? Yes, he was. Can I be brown and beautiful? All very good questions. Please excuse me while I enter into a dialogue with myself. It's the only way I seem to be able to figure things out lately. Yes, alas, yes, the answer to all those questions is yes. Continue to wonder and question just about everything and struggle to materialize what is lodged in that groove of a brain 
but realize that answers are a facade, and happiness is sweet honey dripping off peanut butter toast, carrot cake Oreos, one grande vanilla ice latte with almond milk, seeing your parents after a month away, and finding yourself in their king-sized chrysalis and watching Jumanji. And you just heard Alia uh, Muhammad at the Viva Voce event on March 28th and its theme of wonders. And held at the, uh, again, Kingston Front Act Public Library's main uh, branch uh, up next now in that event that evening. And I should have mentioned this before Alia's reading as well is that I did at the start, but you'll hear Maureen uh, Barnes, the managing director of Juvenus, uh, sharing again between, I believe, each of the readers that afternoon, a few more of the workshop events and other things that are scheduled as part of Juvenus. So you're going to hear Maureen Barnes uh, again speaking about the uh, workshops, and then also you're going to hear the reading by Fiona Fox, and here it is. That was wonderful. Um, next, I would like to invite forward Fiona Fox. So, welcome, Fiona. <laughs> so, I'm reading a part of a murder mystery novel called Death Off of Star Wars Bow. Um, the summary is Court Ross, going to 1920s, small town veterinarian Annalie Marceau follows the death of a local dock worker. Port Roslyn police suspect a drunken fall, but Annalyn suspects otherwise. Between examining residents' um, beloved four-legged friends and collecting witness statements, Annalyn has built her career as a veterinarian, but also discovered the true circumstances surrounding the death. <clears throat> Chapter 1. The casket was closed. The mourners were left to cherish their memories of Peter Abrams. Very few had ever raised their voice against Abrams, least of all when he started to become feeble and could barely scrawl out prescriptions. Port Roslyn was not a small town, but avoided being called a city, likely because of the distaste residents took to the word. Famed for its sprawling harbor front and waterside gardens, it nonetheless failed to attract vis- never failed to attract visitors. And Ellen Marceau herself had believed she would scarcely have set foot off the boat before wishing to return to Toronto, where the buildings were growing taller and the streets were tailored, unlike the stout stone buildings of Port Roslyn, scarcely peeking beyond the horizon and its widening cobblestone paths, some of which were so untrodden, wildflowers had taken through. Perhaps it had been the quaint lifestyle she had donned that had convinced her to stay, settling into the unassuming routines of town life. No, it was Abrams himself that had been the deciding factor, the anger that had moored her spirit from drifting in whichever way the wind blew. Adeline watched as the earth slowly recollected the body of her mentor. Maisie brushed her arm. The service had ended. They watched the priest lumber slowly down the path and disappear into the church, a trail of mourners following close behind. Annalyn had always felt grateful to have Maisie around, most of all now. She was not only a good veterinary assistant, but had become a close friend through the couple of years they had spent poring over medical texts and deciphering Abram's handwriting. We should eat lunch before we attend the will reading, said Maisie, perusing her daybook. Must it be today? Was there no other time available? Some form of disgust and uneasiness formed in her stomach at the, at the thought of having Abram's livelihood pass through the hands of villagers, while memories of him had yet to pass through their minds. Ten minutes later, they were seated at Cafe Lewis, or as the residents called it, Stones, because of its ever-decaying stone walls. 
Hardly a day passed when the superstitious would refuse to walk the same side of the cafe for fear of stepping under the mason's ladder. And because such people made up the majority of the town's population, that side of the block was severely neglected from foot traffic, leading to several complaints from adjacent business owners, which, like anything that had to be passed through local government, remained unresolved. However, it was Stone's peacefulness from being tucked away from the rhythm of village life which attracted Annaline and Maisie to his table. Lunch hour was in full swing, yet only half a dozen customers were scattered around the room. One of the servers, Ellie Jackson, navigated her way through the tables as Annaline and Maisie sat down. The sky was almost as gray as the limestone buildings which lined the street. Across the steady stream of horse and vehicle, Annaline could see the glowing lights of the bakery window, interrupted by several backs pressed up against the pane. A stack of smoke from the back told her it was to be a busy day. Beside the bakery was the grocery store. A boy in a blue apron sat behind a crate of oranges, trying to pawn off the valuables onto any passerby. On the other side of the bakery was the library, much to the disapproval of the latter, as many a librarian would find the residue of some sticky treat lining the pages full of maps and blacking out page numbers. These thoughts crossed Annaline's mind at least once a week as she sipped on cups of chamomile tea. The servers had seen her bring everything into that booth, from medical reference books to watercolor paintings to personal letter. Annie, nice to see you again, said Ellie, placing a cup of tea in front of her and a coffee for Maisie. How was the funeral? Ellie Jackson was everyone's favorite server. This standing was unrefuted, substantiated by the smiles and large tips that lay in her wake. Although she never knew for sure, Annaline liked to think she was her favorite customer. There had been countless times when the walls of the clinic had seemed more suffocating than inspiring, and Annaline had ended up sitting across from Ellie after all the customers had left. Their faces lit by the glow of the dusty lamps over the counter and their reflection in the freshly mopped floors. It was under this light that Annaline got to know, not the aproned Ellie Jackson, but the Ellie Jackson looking, lurking under the freshly painted coat of service smiles and East Coast charm. I don't want to be a server, Annie, Ellie had confessed, tucking her mass of blonde hair behind her ears. I I am repulsed by offering myself to any person who passes through that threshold so I might see a few more coins slide into my pocket. I really want to be a journalist, to ask questions, meet people, explore the world. Her brown eyes widened as her lips were persuaded into a smile, the kind of smile she had saved for only the best of thoughts. This had been a year ago. Every time Annaline asked about how her dream was progressing, Ellie would always reply, it'll happen. Now she asked to remind Ellie of her dream. Oh, it was fine, said Annaline. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm all right, Ellie sighed. It's been busy. Well, actually, I just broke it off with Tom. The look of shock that the fellow customers pressed her to continue. I came home after work after we closed early, and well, the rest is history. Don't worry about us breaking up. It was long overdue. A few awkward chuckles were shuffled around. But I am truly sorry for Dr. Abrams. He was an excellent veterinarian and a kind gentleman. Thank you, Ellie, said Emmeline. Yes, I don't doubt that this death will affect us all. They paused, reflecting momentarily on the threads and memories they each held of the deceased. Emmeline was taken, taken back to the first time she had met Abrams. Six years ago, she and her parents were sitting in the hotel's restaurant, the latter waiting impatiently for their order. Emmeline could still see the wallpaper in its glory days. <coughs> It would have been a deep blue with alternating silver stripes lined with spotless white wainscoting etched with flowers. Now their booth rested on a tired silver wall, the blue barely discernible, having faded and been blanketed in a thick layer of dust. 
Even the wainscoting had evolved into a flat beige strip, its elaborate decorations having long been covered up by the boots and layers of oil residue from wandering fingers. The smell seemed to be emitting from the broadwind, a mess of loose strands and indentations from the generations of carts being hauled mercilessly through the room. The lunch had begun with civility, however, by the time they were served the soup course, Annaline was fighting with her better judgment to keep her voice down. Theirs was the only uh, uh, one of only three occupied tables in the establishment, making her parents even more tense. You'll never be a veterinarian, Annaline, her father had said, through pursed lips. It is simply not acceptable for a young woman to pursue such a function. You ought to be volunteering at the church and finding a young man. Your mother and I have talked to the Durhams, and they approve the match just as much as we do. I don't want to volunteer, nor do I want to get married, Annaline had said, looking out the window, focusing more on the watering fields than her parents, who were glancing at each other, with a look comparable of their daughter having been convicted for murder. It is proper for a young lady of your age to marry. Look at your friend Emily. She's lucky, already married, and with children, said her mother, leaning over. Is it lucky that every time she visits me, her face is bruised, snapped Emmeline, turning around? Keep your voice down, her, said her father. We didn't need to let the whole town know. That's their business. Anyway, the Germs are a respectable family, and you've known Jules since childhood. I told you, I have no intention of marriage, said Emmeline stiffly, and when I do, it will be neither your choice nor that of Jules. And, as I said, I'm going to be a veterinarian. Well then, Annaline, her father had said, your mother and I cannot find such a fantasy. You will, of course, always be our daughter, but if you choose this path, we will have no choice but to withdraw our financial support. So be it, Annaline had whispered. Her parents had not heard this remark and thought it had, they had persuaded her otherwise. This is unacceptable. We would never have been treated like this if we were in Toronto, her mother had said, as she as her husband stormed off towards the kitchen. Annaline watched them walk away, worrying about the fate of the kitchen staff. Her parents had yelled at service workers so many times she was immunized to the embarrassment. Ainsley Ross, her mother, was descended from a long line of wealthy Anglo-Scotsmen. At the age of 16, she had married Sir Claude Marceau, the only son of a wealthy trading family. Annaline could vaguely recall the distant sounds and smells of the crowded Chinese streets that their family had traveled down the coast, her father seeming to form business deals every few miles they traveled. On her 16th birthday, they settled in Toronto, her mother vowing never to travel east of France again. Annaline was left to ponder her future, the voices of her parents fading into the background. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw one of the diners who was sitting by the window, approaching her table. Annaline stiffened, worried he was coming to ask if he could be allowed the privilege of eating in, in a calm environment. But to her surprise, he slinged the seat across. I've heard you're wanting to be a vet or something. He was not young. In fact, he looked as if he could be a grandfather, who had been sitting in the ground for the past seven years. I er, yes, Annaline had replied, frowning preemptively, readying herself to argue that women were just as capable of life as him. That's good to hear, the gentleman had said, a wide smile spreading across his wrinkled face. In his younger years, Annaline had thought he would have certainly gained himself half a membership to the Rosebridge Club. To her disdain, the club members based were based on a handsome appearance and an even handsomer income, although neither qualifications impacted the activities. Annaline was convinced that Jules' admittance to the club was much of the reason her parents thought him to be a suitable match. Age had gotten to most of the stranger's hair, leaving only the odd auburn strand, hanging in an unkempt mess. He must smile a lot, Annaline had also thought, examining the smile lines that ran deep crevices into his sun-tanned skin. But it was his eyes that claimed her attention the most. They looked like bright silver moons peeking out from beneath his eyelids. A slight cough from him reminded Annaline he was still waiting for her reply. 
Thanks was all she had said, paired with a small smile before he posed a question, which had, in addition to causing her mother several migraines, changed the course of her life forever. How would you like to work with me then? My assistant quit on me last night. Took off without even a note, the stranger had said. Oh, and there my my name's Dr. Peter Abrams from Scarborough Corner. He continued reaching out of hand his fingers and nails powdery with dirt. Sorry, there's a lot of field work in this profession. My name's Annaline Ross, she replied, turning a hand. And uh, do you mean what I mean is that would you be willing to learn to fix animals? I could offer you a room in meals if you'd also help clean up. Abrams is that smiling. Out of the corner of her eye, Annaline saw her parents returning to the table, frowning at the newcomer. I would. Here's my address, Annaline had said, hastily scrawling her information on a strap of paper. Who's this? Her father had said, approaching the table, eyeing Abram. He had that critical look, Annaline recognized. Uh, no one, father, Annaline had replied, shuffling Abram away. I'm sorry to have disturbed you, miss, Abram had said, turning back. Um... I'm sorry to disturb you, Miss Abrams had said, turning back. The church roof always needs fixing. Annaline caught herself before her smile was noticed. I like him already, she had thought. Quite. Well, if that's all it takes to be rid of you, her father had said, unfolding his wallet and tossing a $10 bill onto the table. Thank you, sir, Abram had said, keeping in character before marching away. Annaline was not to see him for a month when she had, not without argument, left her familiar life in Toronto to thrust her suitcases across the threshold of her new life. And you just heard uh, in that uh, Fiona Fox uh, reading at uh, the Viva Voce event on March 28th uh, with its theme of wonders and uh, held at uh, Kingston Frontenac Public Library's main branch. Up next in the event that evening, and you will hear it interspersed with, uh, again, uh, that didn't happen in the last reading like I thought it would, but uh, Maureen Barnes, who is the managing director of Juvenus, uh, speaking about uh, workshops and the upcoming uh, uh, Juvenus event that will run from uh, May 1st through 11th. And uh, she will bring up, I believe, uh, Cindy Lamb, and then uh, Cindy will read, and then she'll talk more about the workshops and have some concluding Comments. I believe that's how I set this uh, this one up, but maybe not in that order. But it is. It will be those two. So, up first here, then, or will either be Marine Barnes or else Cindy Lamb with her reading that evening. Right. How's everyone doing? Does anyone need a juice box or a granola bar or a doodle? I won't be offended if you go well while I talk. Okay, so Sunday, May 5th, we have Sharada. So I don't know if anyone came to see Let's Make Art, which was produced by Blue Canoe, but Sharada and her friends collaged an entire door, and it was a spectacle. Um, so this is going to be a more drop-in type of uh, workshop. It's uh, three hours long, and... Yeah, just come in. It's a time to to relax, decompose, and collage. Monday, May 6th, we have Dan Walmsley back with uh, at the Boys and Girls Club doing his intro to improv. Um, Dan is a wildly energetic man, and he can get even the shyest 
person to, to get up and do something amazing. Tuesday, May 7th, we have Alyssa Cooper back again um, at the Central Branch Library, where we are right now, doing um, her workshop, Burying Dead Metaphors, which is um, a poetry workshop. Um, Alyssa was recently in a film that Bruce was also in, that we'll talk about shortly, and she read some of her poetry about gender, and it was it really impacted me. And after that, we have Lydia Stage Management Workshop, which will also be in the library in a different room, um, which is an intro to SMA. Wednesday, May 8th, we have Mariah, aka Mo Horner, doing um, Making Plays in Weird Places. So Mariah's been doing this workshop with infants, or uh, ages, I think up to eight, at the TED Center. And I, I said to myself, I wish I could do this workshop. So I asked Mariah, can you adapt it for 13 to 30? And she said, heck yeah, I can. So at 99 York Street on Wednesday, May 8th, come learn site-specific theater making. That's a good sign right there. That's a good sign. <laughs> okay, while I've been figure out technology, I would love to bring forward Cindy Lamb. Perfect. So I have five poems for you today, and the first one is called Starboy. I have a sometimes love for walking the town at midnight, when I can turn my eyes upward and part my lips to drink the stars that weave the likeness of his skin. My skin awakens to the light with laughter. This is where he perches in my throat in a birdcage made of broken chains, where he is he who crows when the sun sets and sits on it till day breaks from his stripped wings. Spread wide for me, he crooned, for wings are meant to soar, not shroud. And remember me when you bite into fall and sweet water washes over your tongue. Yes, I think of you when every morning comes. Now I know the name of the one who ran beside us on those early nights. The secrets of every whisper in the wind were learned in one crooked smile and one offered hand. I would rip open my chest so that you could teach me to bear arms and paint faces, but the kiss of those pearl lips is the ghost we both bury. If you branch out with flint and steel, then I bear myself as tinder. Perfect thunder, perfect mind, I call you to dissolve my mass in the flame of my new blood. I am all I ever need to be and my shape is mine to shift. Neither fire below nor ether above will move me to forsake the earth around, for I'd rather 108 cycles of heart-wrenching than one without my other. I keep you in a box beside my bed, but patiently, impatiently, you await the day I wear your heart on my sleeve. Now my second poem is called To Become Your Flower Path. Teach me how to weave silk from jute and spin gold from my desire. There is a bubbling and the smell of nectar. There is a peach-flavored hard candy that still eludes me. I only want it from Amma's hand, for that is the elixir of life. The rest is mercury. 108 rebirths before, I slept in your arms on a checkered floor while you sung to me, beautiful dreamer. 
Now you sit with me on the roof while we give ourselves to the pink moon and decide our own birthday. We run off to a wonderland of things we have not yet tasted. Come, let's listen to some music. Now all the songs sing for me as I binge the replay to lie sublime into a vapor wave cresting over the Pacific Ocean that washes me of my sin. Perhaps there is enough room for everyone inside of me in a world that never was. I am already gone beyond and I won't go without them. I once knew you long, long ago and you once knew the queen. And the queen lived in a garden where tigers sharpened their teeth on plowed stars. She poured us a glass of spirits of which you already knew the bouquet. Now for my third poem, this is called Dragon's Blood. Welcome home, my first girl. We've missed you before we met. Thus began the morning days of breathing, of bleeding, of anointing myself with dragon's blood. Mama taught me to eat gold ingots and keep the words inside my heart. Baba had the sun at his back and the wind on his heels. What's my name? Sweetheart, whichever do you mean? The legacy of the fallen duke? The domain of the king of Dolor? Or the birthplace of the heir to the righteous rebel? A heady scented permanent marker for an emperor's brush. I trade very sloppily, for I am drunk on the taste of custard. Pure. From beneath me bled the mistakes of my vertical transmission, and I asked my grandfather to take me with him. My cleanliness comes from the godliness of metamorphosis. Child, I will always bar bear the mark of the diminutive, for I am loved, but not little. You call me what your heart sings. In the back of the shop is a red room where I come home to you. The music sounds like the light at the end of the tunnel, and I hunger for your stories to flow forth like a purse of medicine. Behind me stands 108 golden ghosts. Come to me, my sleeping ones, to feast on smoking clementine. Sea salt is not a feeding make, so forgive me of my conviction. Now my fourth poem is called Remembered Reverie. Wretched stones with ink fell seat, dog-eared pages buried deep. The unfolding is to me a treat, they sit in my mouth, candy sleep. I am made of what I eat, of hybrid theory and a heartbeat. Accustomed to star-crossed eyes, I find my mirror in drawn-in skies. Crystals, they speak to me of diners and a master key. They come to me to search for Easter eggs and silver birch. I shuffle my heart in a deck of cards, a hidden ace to bribe Akashic guards. I learned of this technique from teeth that smile like a sword in sheath. My, uh, my arm a canvas, it will be, to keep a record of remembered reverie. And the fifth and final poem is called The Voice of Paper. Yes, my dear, the world is ending when we still have so many stories to tell. If nothing else, I've decided this mind is worth preserving. I'll be canned as a message in a bottle and send myself out to sea. Tell them, tell them, tell them who I am. The crows sing this to me to make my fingers itch. Tell me, do you think we've almost become as God? If we built so many grounds for our children and our children to play? If 108 and three secret souls and wishes Bring forth when I rub small circles in your palm. 
I will guide your hand to inscribe your name with a bow of flowers as a paintbrush. H-U-M-A-N. It means creator of the recursive world. So tell them, tell them, tell them who you are. Let this love letter to myself be my incantation and my countenance be a living sigil for the world I want to see. Thank you for listening to the wonders of him, her, them, and us. For if we are all doomed to die, the least we can do is survive. Thank you so much, Cindy. Um, so as you can see, technology is hard. So I'm going to improv and show you manually. All right, all right. So we finished off with Mariah Horner, and we only have a couple more to go. So Thursday, May 9th, we have Gloria Digby, who will be doing um, pop vocals in the Baby Grand. You might remember Gloria as the charming Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, the musical. Um, we also have Peggy Collins, who will be having a workshop in Napanee at the cafe there. Um, she does these awesome um, developing character through visual art workshops. So if you happen to live in Napanee or have any friends in Napanee, encourage them to come to Peggy's workshop. Woo! Um, Friday, May 10th, we have Blue Canoe alum Jackson Watt Bowers, who will be doing um, auditioning for post-secondary schools, also at the Baby Grand. Um, and this can be for anyone, even if you're not auditioning for post-secondary, if you just want to get better at auditions in general. Um, and then our um, back for his fourth year, I believe, is Joey Hines doing his special effects workshop at the Boys and Girls Club. And so this is like the bloody stuff. It's the gore. Learn how, from a pro professional, how to do um, some wild makeup. Okay. And on our last but not least, Saturday, May 11th, we have a youth-friendly, all-ages Kairos blanket exercise with Olivia Rondeau. So what does it, that is, it's like an abridged version of the regular Kairos blanket exercise. It's about an hour long, and it's, um, it's uh, accessible for those under the age of 18. And the moment we've been waiting for, Bruce Kaufman, <laughs> the man, the legend, right here, right now. Um, he'll be doing his workshop right in this room, so you know where it is. And if you've never done a Bruce Kaufman workshop before, I've only heard that they're completely magical. It's called intuitive writing. Um, if you don't know Bruce, he is a radio host at CFRC, um, as well as a local poet who hosts a lot of open mics in town and helps writers get over writer's block. I hope I did you justice, Bruce. It was perfect. Okay, great. We, um, if also, if you haven't seen it, um, recently with the Kingston Canadian Film Festival, um, the film Who is Bruce Kaufman appeared, um, which Alyssa was also featured in, and it was a beautiful showing of Kingston and the wonderful art scene and poetry that was available here. All right, and then finishing off the festival will be Claudia Pollock, who is doing... Photography in Natural Light. So, um, Claudia is graduating this year from Ryerson Photography, 
and she has been a Kingston artist um, for about 21 years. And yeah, learn how to take photography outdoors. And this can be on a cell phone or an iPad or camera. It doesn't have to be professional. And this is for all groups and levels of photography. So if you've never even done photography before, this workshop is still for you. We have about five minutes left. So if you have any questions about any of the workshops, feel free to come chat. But as I said, there will be much more eloquent descriptions and information, blurbs and bios on the website by April 1st. Um, so that should give you more detail as well. Um, thank you all so much for coming out. Thank you to the library for letting us use this space, also for hosting like 50% of our workshops. And um, also thank you to the library for the snacks and the juice. That was so kind. Um, and thank you to Cassette Wagner and Savvy Burdock for making this PowerPoint. They are a lovely company assistants. And thank you again to Gabrielle for the Viva Voce. And all the fun. And you just heard, uh, sort of sandwiched between the announcements, a reading by uh, Cindy Lamb and her five poems. And uh, again, that was sandwiched between uh, uh, Maureen Barnes, uh, who is the managing director of Juvenus, speaking about workshops at the upcoming event. I might mention that the one of mine uh, that was mentioned for the 11th, there has been a date change, and it is now going to be still in the Kingston Frontenac Public Library on, Mar uh, on in May 4th. Uh, so amigo, uh, I'll probably get to that in the announcements anyway. So anyway, it's still over a week away, so there's still plenty of time. Uh, I would like to apologize for that that sort of background noise you're hearing in this. I was picking up some sort of in interference, and that did definitely affect the last two performances that afternoon. And so there was a, both a another reading and a music performance that, uh, after talking uh, with them, uh, we decided it just uh, wasn't a, of quality enough that I wanted to air on the show. And so, yeah. So I'll tell you what. Uh, Let's do this, and I will be right back. Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight, where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let The Hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on 4 to the Floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM. The Kingston Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org 
email info at 99york.org or call 613-542-1136. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. Enjoy camping, cottaging, hiking, or being outdoors after a long winter? We are not alone. Every summer, Ontarians far and wide escape the daily grind and head to the great outdoors. But holidays have the ability to turn deadly due to Lyme disease, a potentially fatal disease caused by the bite of a black-legged tick, known as a deer tick. Causing similar symptoms to the flu, such as fever, headache, fatigue, muscle and joint pain. However, if you see a red, bullseye-type rash, Chances are you don't have the flu. Take a few precautions to make sure Lyme disease doesn't ruin your vacation this year. Avoid shrubs and tall grassy areas where black-legged ticks are known to live. Bug repellent containing DEET is an effective way to prevent ticks from biting you. Cover up. When you're in areas that are known to have ticks, cover all exposed areas of your body. Wear white so you're able to see if a black tick is on you. Infected ticks are primarily found along the north shores of Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, and the St. Lawrence River. Be prepared this summer, and don't get ticked off. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. Uh, we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. So I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the first hour. I hope you can stay tuned for the second hour. Uh, it's still a few minutes away, but uh, I like I want to share a few events this hour, and I do like to get my thanks in and also a mention that uh, uh, both hours of this show each week are saved to my blog space for it. Shortly after I get home, we'll remain there for four years at uh, Finding a Voice on CFRC fm.wordpress.com and um, I hope you can stay tuned for the uh, second hour today you're going to hear a a whole raft of poets from the uh, April 2nd and the journey continues open mic reading but before we get there Let's jump into some events. There is a writing group that meets every uh, Wednesday, uh, with the exception of those in August. Uh, They meet at 7 p.m. in room 239 of Stauffer Library uh, to critique and support one another's writing. Uh, Feature all genres, fiction, poetry, nonfiction, memoir are all represented. If you're interested, I've got an email address for you, and uh, hopefully you have a pen or pencil handy. Uh, it's uh, D, the initial D as in David, but then all these letters are together. D-P-R-A-T-T, so D Pratt, 1939, so 1939, at hotmail.com. Uh, currently going on, actually, and running through the weekend in Gananoque is the 100,000 Islands Writers Festival, a unique celebration of power of storytelling through words, music, and art. Uh, 
and they say in their charming town of Kananaque. And it says to join some of Canada's most talented authors, songwriters, and artists for vibrant performances, thought-provoking uh, dialogue, and more. I want to give you, yes, uh, just going to, because there's a lot of information here. Here's their email address, www. And it's a numeral, 1000 Islands Writers Festival, all grouped together, one word, dot CA. And they should have their full schedule through the weekend there. Also, this weekend is a busy weekend. Uh, Modern Fuel uh, tomorrow on uh, April 27th is having their zine print and art book fair. And... uh, going to give you a link yeah it runs uh, tomorrow april 27th from noon to 6 p.m uh, if you're not familiar with where it's at the modern fuel artist uh, run center is located in suite 305 so it's just on the top floor so right when you go in the door there's a little just kind of ramp there up uh, to the third floor uh, in suite 305 and it's at the tet center uh, so uh, 370 king street west here in Kingston tomorrow afternoon as well. Uh, this started back in December, and uh, Saf Decaf, a uh, musical duo, uh, has been hosting uh, a hot chocolate charity concert series, uh, wherein the last uh, Saturday of each month they uh, bring in about a half a dozen or so uh, musicians, uh, each with short sets, and uh, they also do this as uh, a, a fundraiser, I guess, for a charity. And uh, each month is a different charity. And this month is Don's House Women's Shelter, or Don House Women's Shelter. And uh, that's happening uh, at the Community House, which is 99 York Street here in Kingston. Again, tomorrow from 2 to 4 30. Uh, They do have a Facebook page. You can check out who the performers are. They're always somewhat the same, but always a few different ones uh, all the time coming in. They're vetted. And, uh, again, uh, it is a $10 admission is suggested, but it is also pay what you can. All of that money goes directly to whatever charity they are uh, sponsoring. And this week, again, it is Don House Women's Shelter. And then tomorrow evening from 7.30 to 10.30 p.m., uh, it's going to be a book launch. It's going to be an in-house, actually, uh, book launch and reading. Uh, Brenda Lifeso is, uh, will be uh, reading from and launching her third book of co- uh, poetry called Wild Matter, uh, published by Brick Books. And again, it's going to be at her house. It says there will be an evening of poetry, food, drink, and live music. And so... Uh, if you want to RSVP, I'm sure she would appreciate that. Let me give you her email address. It's B-L-E-I-F-S-O at gmail.com. Uh, there's also a Facebook event page for it, so you can get a little more information there. So just uh, type in her name, Brenda uh, Leifso, uh, L-E-I-F-S-O, and uh, book launch reading should pull up that event page for you. And then coming up, uh, By the Letter, I believe it's called. It's a National Poetry Month celebration with Kingston's poet, 
Poets Laureate, Past and Present, and more. Uh, there will be a celebration of National Poetry Month featuring incoming Poet Laureate uh, Jason Haru, outgoing uh, Poet Laureate Helen Humphreys, and Kingston's first Poet Laureate Eric Folsom. Along with them, Poets Kai Pierce, Ashley Elizabeth Best, and Zoe Coulter. Uh, music as well will be provided by Daryl Bryan. Uh, this is being set up by the city of Kingston and uh, be held at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. A free event and light refreshment will be sold, and that is coming up. Uh, will be sold. Will be offered. It's a free event. Everything's free. Sorry about that. Uh, it, that's coming up this coming Tuesday, April 30th, 7 p- to 9 p.m. Again, Kingston Frontenac Public Library, Central Branch which is located at 130 Johnson Street in Kingston. And it looks like we are just approaching 5 o'clock. So I am going to get everything set up for this hour, and I think we're in good shape. Uh, So welcome back to the second hour of today's show. Again, it is just a few seconds now after 5 o'clock. And you're listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, and we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. In this second hour, and moving uh, this hour now into the April 2nd, and the journey continues open mic reading in that monthly series. And uh, with its first, well, we had a reading like this back in November uh, when it was a CFRC's funding drive uh, tied to it. And uh, we try, I think it's going to be the new format again. We tried it last month and it seems to work very well. It's like reading in the round. So you will hear a vast number of poets from it uh, this afternoon. Specifically, you'll hear readings by Ron Chase, Benjamin Laughlin, Alyssa Cooper, Jenny Marshall, Michael Castiles, Sarah M. Tish, Bob McKenzie, Mike Williams, Colleen uh, Lyons, uh, Michelle McTogg, Kinman, Dean Albertini, and Sasha Hill. These are mostly groups. You'll hear them in groups uh, because the way it works is from the sign-up sheet, I pull one, uh, one poet up at a time. They read one poem, sit, and as they sit down, I'm introducing the second poet. So you're going to hear, then that's why you, you hear a lot of them. So pretty much grouped in groups of three or four, but uh, sort of in that six to seven or eight minute time element. Some of them run a little bit longer than that. So, But anyway, just a nice... Uh, selection of groups of readings is how uh, these will air from now on and not uh, the longer six six or so minute sets uh, that was the usual maximum length a person could read it and they would just read all their stuff in one shot so it worked really well there I hope it works really well on the air as well so I think it will uh I do have to do this first, though. It's just the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music uh, played on this show may contain strong language. It's all, though, played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. Uh, 
So, again, I hope to have a few minutes at the end of this hour to share a few more upcoming events. I don't think I'll get into the calls. There's still a bit of time on those. So I'll stick with events towards the end of the hour. So I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and move now into this essentially reading in the round. Uh, And uh, I've grouped... uh, in this first group, I've grouped uh, what, five, it looks like, five poets uh, in this first segment. You're going to hear readings that evening by Ron Chase, Benjamin Laughlin, Alyssa Cooper. No, just four. Four. <laughs> Ron Chase, Benjamin Laughlin, Alyssa Cooper, and Jenny Marshall. I need new glasses. Here we go. Enjoy. Let's bring up Ron Chase. This is called Honest Breath. Her breath was different as she slept, not pushing any half-truths or hiding any lies. An honest breath that nourished her body and made her breasts move naturally, not seductively. A breath as soft as the down of a fallen angel an almost pure breath, the sort of breath people pray for at the end, the sort of breath I have never taken. Ron Chase, give another hand. Up next, Benjamin Laughlin, let's bring him up. Call the straight razor. Sorry, I have to read. When you look in the mirror through yourself at the glass and splashes of toothpaste, when you finally focus and catch your own eyes staring into spaces between your teeth, the straight razor is right there. Almost as close as the thought of not being there. What happened between learning to skate and learning to live with yourself? Your first day of school, the last day you'll ever get out of bed and stare at the bathroom mirror at nothing. Wake up, get out of bed, breathe, create, repeat. Thank you. Was Benjamin Laughlin? Let's give him another hand. Up next, Alyssa Cooper. Let's bring her up. This piece is called Grandma's Garage. There are mice nesting in the garage, making homes in long-forgotten bales of toilet paper. They seem solid from the outside, secure in plastic bags, but they disintegrate when we lift them. Fall to dust, rain around our feet. They land in piles like ash after a forest fire, and my mother, she laughs. She doesn't understand the significance of the decay. Each roll of paper is a bone of a memory. The dust is what they will become. I can't hold on to these stories forever. I'm losing sleep each night now, staying awake to recite them to the dark as if I believe my memory can become infallible. 
as if I can preserve her amber dripping over flesh and bone, pages stitched into the family Bible, African violets and checkers on the floor, a wall of rainforest and the story of a swamp, a river to help me sleep. Her paper, thin skin, blue veins, she kept everything, every photo and letter and card and the smell of vinegar, inescapable but the decay. It's creeping in already, mice chewing at my brainstem. These plastic bags can't save me. I will fall to ash, and there is no stopping it. My late night recitations will be meaningless soon. Hollow bones in my chest, and what happens to a memory when it loses its heart? What happens to a heart encased in resin? What happens to a house when nobody lives there? There are mice nesting in the garage, you see. I can smell their breath, their dusty fur. I can hear them chewing toilet paper. With Lester Cooper, let's give another hand. Up next, Jenny Marshall, bring her up. First of all, who is familiar with Dr. Seuss? Come on, show your age, it's okay. Well, this will be indicative of kind of who I've been hanging around with, which is my three-year-old grandson. And then just add a titch of rap, and you'll be with me. Okay, it's called Live Your Life. What makes you get out of bed? What pops your eyes, helps you arise? How does living sparkle your soul? Alive, amazed, and feeling whole. Compose your list and check it twice. How are you naughty? What makes you nice? Make the connection from the selection. You have the direction. It's not an election. Stay really young by having fun. Do your thing with zany zing. Old is just a state of mind unless you let yourself unwind. Time is so fleeting, so keep your heart beating and love and laugh and live your life. Thank you. Jenny Marshalls, give another hand. And, excuse me, you just heard Ron Chase, Benjamin Laughlin, Alyssa Cooper, and Jenny Marshall from the April 2nd and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series held now at the Elm Cafe. And up next in it, here are going to be Michael Castiles, Sarah Emtish, Bob McKenzie, and Mike Williams. Here we go. Up next, Michael Castiles. So I'm just going to read uh, a chapter from a novel that I've been working on. This is chapter eight. Fog is what I remember. Fog and little else. Vague forms, splotches of shadow in the gray, like a Rorschach test for the everyday. I always saw black butterflies, 
one perched on my finger, ink wings of flutter. I was more concerned about the fog. Once we got rid of it, everything else would come into view. As it stood, all fine detail was a haze. I could pick up my phone, but couldn't see the numbers. I opened a book, but couldn't read a word. When I looked in the mirror, I was a blob looking back. The days took on this same opaque quality, faint light, false dusk, all stretching into one day that never seemed to end. The clock on the wall kept ticking, but I couldn't read the time. How many years had passed in the last 15 minutes? I slept, but woke fitful, uncertain of how long I'd been out. I'd wake and stumble to the front door, throw it open, hopeful the sky would be blue, but it was always the same gray. Our sun, lost somewhere in it, alone and hungry. And I'd look out to the street, but could only see as far as the sidewalk. The heavy air swallowed all sound, and silence pervaded. I knew if I'd left, I'd never make it back. I felt a thousand miles from everything. My house, adrift at sea. Thank you. Michael Castillo, give him another hand. Up next, Sarah Emtage. Let's bring her up. Okay. I think I have sort of a hesitation to write or, or share poetry about the things that matter the most to me, but um, this one is an exception. It's called A Different Kind of King. What is truth? Pilate asks and the answer is standing before him. My kingdom is not of this world, are his words. If it were, we would fight for its borders. He gives meekness to malice and silence to scorn, and lay down your swords, are his orders. He has given the cup and he drains every drop. He has nailed, lifted up, and nothing can stop or stand in the way of his purpose. And this is the power that breaks through the wall. He lays down his life to restore life to all, and nothing can come in between us. Oh, Sarah Emtage, let's give her another hand. It's all good, I was just checking the setting. <laughs> up next, Bob McKenzie, bring him up. This is called Garden Party, and it was actually written in response to a painting by Bosch, a triptych, actually. At first there were no strawberries, only man and woman naked, and God wrapped in regal strawberry robes, the man on the grass watching God touch her wrist seductively. Strawberries are important here held and hugged and lain upon, surrogates for love's embrace, sex toys and hats and statues, metaphor among the naked mass. Everywhere in the park, the naked abandoned decorum with lust for sex games played without love or joy, while in the pool, the naked women gasp as men and beasts circle round. Where the city burns in darkness, no strawberries are naked passion. 
suffered souls to pain without end, where on every corner danger lurks, and the garden party's no delight. That was Bob McKenzie, let's give him another hand. Up next, we have Mike Williams, let's bring him up. Let's talk about how I walk. Uh, when you say God bless me, I think to myself, did somebody sneeze? I mean, what else could it be about? Oh, I know the real reason it makes me want to shout. So you say you want to pray you, to me, that's fine, that's totally okay. But when it has to do with the way I walk, this is when we need to talk. There is nothing wrong with what I use to move along. I, move, I may move at a slower pace, but just because I do so with a smile on my face, it doesn't make me strong or brave. I'm just trying to live life before I hit the grave. With your prayer, praying, you're trying to cure me without taking into account it's part of my identity. Thank you. Mike Williams, let's give him another hand. And you just heard Michael Castile's Sarah Emtish, Bob McKenzie, and Mike Williams from the April 2nd and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. Up next in it, here are Leanne Torres, Allison Chisholm, and Carlos Sanchez. Next, we have Leanne Torres. Let's bring her up. Remembering spring 2017, after lying awake, witnessing the bitter moon, night bleeds into night. A gradual dwindling of sleep, time, mind, than self. I go stark raving mad this time, no going gently through the firestorm. This crazy whirlwind engulfs me, swift, brutal, and without mercy. I'm speeding up, I'm speeding up, speaking in rhymes, perceiving patterns, in love with repetition, walking in the land of nonsense. Arms and legs thrashing, hands clasped at the doorway between home and the madhouse. The white van comes. The only grace, no red lights or sirens. Howling outrage, sorrow, and bewilderment. What brought me here to this place? Ah, my lunacy, my disordered warrior, the writhing snakes and grinning demons. I held out my hand and befriended them all. On this bed, among these walls, memory muddies until there's nothing there at all. Blackness, blackout, the body's kindness to itself. Weaving down the path to the same, cutting feet on stones of mistrust and bad behavior, I'm labeled the difficult patient of a ward brimming with badasses. Get you to the back of the line, girl, stand in the corner of the class. Toe the line, they are watching, scribbling notes in their little black book. They are listening to my words that echo 
they are watching. Everything here is a test. Week after week passes. There again is that bitter moon wooing me to waver and fall down through the cracks of my own madness. Before, I cut my feet on the stones, but here I tiptoe around those tricky crevices, step by tenuous step. My pace steadies, my back eases and straightens, my head rises, I'm on the other side. What brought me here to this place? Ah, my resilience, my rough rock strength like my mother's, though she was never locked in this prickly blood rose garden. I smile and weave a crown from the blood red roses, carefully thwarting the thorns. That was Leanne Terrace. Let's give her another hand. Up next, Allison Chisholm. Let's bring her up. you on that quiet morning with the coffee brewing and the water boiling and the eggs tapping and you avoiding my outstretched hand with your stretched out truth it gets ground up in your kitchen with each drawer open and the throats clearing and the eyes lowering, and the nostrils flaring, and the cheeks flushing, and the doors slamming, and the darkness deepening, and the dust stirring, and the clouds bursting, and the thunder roaring. It's nice to stand beside you. Allison Chisholm, let's give her another hand. Up next, Carlos Sanchez. Hello, to stick to the timing, I will sing a portion of a song in Spanish right now, and then in the next round, I will give you a little bit more context about this music and uh, give you a translation. Bear with me because I've never sung uh, a cappella before. Y al pie de un árbol Mi alma se sienta triste Y aluminada Por la luz de la Salió y me dijo, 
In this order, Leanne Taurus, Allison Chisholm, and Carlos Sanchez. Again, from the April 2nd, And the Journey Continues, open mic reading in that monthly series, uh, now held at the Elm Cafe, and also now uh, formatted as a reading in the round, so to speak. Up next in it, here are, uh, with a couple of longer pieces, or at least one, uh, so there are just two in this grouping, Here are Colleen Lyons and uh, Michelle McTogg. Up next, Colleen Lyons, bring her up. I just wrote a really long poem, so I have to kind of break the format. (laughs) It's going to fill up the whole time. Last month, there was a performer who kind of did a rap about Christmas, and he sort of in list format, like went really into all the details of Christmas. And um, I guess he really loves Christmas, and I really love spring, so I'm about to do one like that about spring. (laughs) Spring sonnet. Await the asphodel arrives and wipes its alabaster eyes to dilate birth of dewy fawns and reveal the withered, littered lawns. Where all of life starts as a pawn, in all the world a times of spawn, a benediction of the dawn, a relieved season's sigh. Breathe a bow of showy aster, a pre-summer soliloquy, a most satisfying yawn of a waking springtime, the freshlings paw to meet the pastures of dampened bulbs and celandine, such electricity in the calm, such a synesthetic chime. We'll climb subtly the rafters in tiny sapling vines, turning time a careful chapter of a life renewed divine. Before the frothy watermelon can be plucked in late July, are there months of posy heaven treaclingly ripe? Savor sweetmeat every bite, first to bloom our tulips, poppies, longer stretching every night. Gone our day's depression, frosty, something every winter stops me. I become a lifeless thing, I become bitter and ornery, I become brilliant in the spring. So scarcely remembering what it's really like to feel, winter is 
A century, our hearts must now be peeled. We must melt the shield that was formed to make us ache, or to keep us warm, we yield, now to give our branch a shake. For some of us, the cold will steal the serotonin from our brains, and we're given a chance to heal and celebrate now in sacred wake. The bare-born calf will kneel in its plasma in the hay, welcomed into any given field, it'll walk within a day. And the russet mama robin will feel a rumble from her eggs, subtle incremental twitch, tapping baby beak to break, below the marshes pool at trunks and to puddle alleyways, for a rubber boot to jump or sock to soak if you're not safe. Refresh a raindrop nasal spray, count the soft bespeckled rump of a toddler deer at play if you stray from the city stuck. Prompting you to give a fuck and to no longer lay listless in a lonely lump, you too, dearest, can be saved. For even the thickest mulch may fan out beneath the rays, bless the black miasmic bulge becomes a most decadent graze. Even the most harrowed thaw will be whipped into shape by law. Haunted, ugly, grizzled swamp becomes a primrose nosegay. Died the manna in the fall, dissolute the shrubs to hay, resurrecting in a ball, redeem what was lost in the decay. In a dance of nature's glory, no ineptitudes or sorries, courageously curtain call, brighten all the details boring, whiplashing with love your worry. Once again, your dreams be tall, before a tireless August scorching, you must start with seedlings small, gently like a kindled coal. Tenderly we incubate. Never hesitate a stall. Mother nature's never late. Yet mother nature never rushes. Perfects the belladonna blushes. Perfume all the underbrushes. Exactingly orchestrates. Never panics. Never fusses. The plum will fall when you can taste. Do not pick it from the trusses. It'll be better if you wait. Delicate, the baby ducklings delegate the window panes, for the air wants to be pumping finest magic to your veins. Be an audience of change. Notice all the butter cuppings, puny petal pistol hang, no more hibernation slumbering. Watch the rainbow world enhance. Give yourself another chance and surrender to the swirl of the vernal dalliance of the season's happenstance. Drops of rain will fall as pearls, so stick out your tongue to catch or watch the ripples on the earth. And know that as the eggs will hatch, that birds may fall into the grass, but others and you will last to fly again. It is your turn. Gaia yearns to fill your glass, to feel your fingers in the dirt, supplement her soil with herbs, readily impregnate her. She will carry out to term such a range of garden dumplings. She'll deliver to you pure a symphony of lifely humming. Bark that's dead will be suddenly bubbling with an emerald budding. Under welcomed lambent heat, unbridled life comes in a breeze. In opulence, variety, in rupturous variety, in providence and piety, and renovate entirely. Oh, we needn't need it direly. All of us begin to plead for the bloom of ivory, iris, and the sheeplings bleat for the freedom of bare feet. Yet again, beckon to the soil for the melty bliss to reprieve, reprieve for the return of joy. For the blurred prismatic noise, for the dapple of the leaves, for the fiddlestick coils, for the sidewalks to be cleaned, for the vivid lily royal, for the lavender to preen, 
It softened to essential oils. The drops will give us what we need. The small beasts will dart and eat fallen nut and marigold. All of us are blessed to see a spring as all of us grow old. Before the land again grows cold, let us relish in the heat. Let our limbs and minds unfold and find peace in the repeat of the season's silent roll, rotating us at perfect speed. Let us learn from here our home. Let us all together breathe. Give another hand. Up next, Michelle McTogg. Let's bring her up. Um, I wrote this piece about people suffering from addiction. I'm sorry, I can't. Um, I wrote this piece about people who are suffering from addiction um, that are in my life. So. Okay. He strikes a light of a match that lit the spoon of bitter poison. He gasped a breath that may be his ultimate demise. He does not think of that. Engulfed in his fix, he's a sticker of the drug trade, dealing and fixated on the side. The stranger, that's what he was to everyone. Being a fiend himself, he knows the dire desperation within the hearts of the unloved. He knows the highs of royalty that spill over into the minds and lives of addicts. The stranger builds the scenes for the woman. She fell from grace. She does tricks from her abandoned fences as she rides each night. Her final trick is a disappearing act. She does not know the difference between means and living. Each day she runs primitively from all the drugs, the tricks, and the wholeness boredom. She's in the hands of the stranger. He knows she is, she is his own painted creation that he smuts into the air. The stranger makes the day of the poor soul who lost his family from coincidental circumstances. Mishaps take lives, calculated or not, just as his life was flattered. The stranger eats away at the last bit of destruction within the lives of his battered being. To the scars from the to the scars from clawing up his faces of the past, a no return policy wrecks havoc on his cheeks. He passes children on the street, and they wonder what kind of creature this man is. The stranger works wonders of dreams of children, gazing at everything extensively. The day brought life and breath to the young. The stranger knows all too well what hides in the hearts of children grown. He takes his broken animation within the soulful gentleman, the curious pain creeping into his heart. He knows the shades of redemption. He walks the alley without color, shady and appealing. The stranger felt shame and sun rendering to alliances of the greater good. He is sly, but mysterious circumstances keep the dealer at bay. Still conniving within his tricks of the trade, he does never get too close to the monorage that pays greatly for his living. That first hunch he seems frankly unfeigned. That's how he traps you in his web of refugees of the heart. Despite being trapped himself, he's learned the art of camouflage. No one can sift through the baggage if he keeps bringing food to the beast of dime bags, a shady white dust. It never ends, and with infinity, the stranger saw his reflection in the eyes of a woman that he could never love. Love is the only infinite wonder in the spirit that we all gape at with open mouths. He feeds those mouths. Wrecking havoc on life, and in all just reason, he is to be openly heroed by self-doubt and false praise of his customers. All this man is shattered in premonitions of his work. 
he takes a hit from the man and woman than his history which has chastened him to a state. Freedom lies in history. Before the shame and into the depths of love, the stranger hawks the consequences of narcotics on the sidewalk. He keeps walking. He is not a dealer. He is the death of a child, young of remote loneliness. He is the forsaken mother desire. Uh, he is the forsaken mother's desire to hold her son one last time. He is the word to the people who he thinks is a great merchant. This man is his own nightmare, and to come to that realization is demented sin against existence. The stranger plunders his coat that he lays down in the trenches, covering the dead in a war of fastened trenches. Oh, and, sorry. Covering the dead in a war of fastened illusions. They're sobbing underneath the warmth of the coat that holds many pockets of shelter and promises. The guiltless sob who lives without virtue. Violations perch the fence that the woman with John arrived looking for him. Trespasses scoff the man in the alley who lost everything. The judge rules after assertion. Below bars of steel that the truck bear the load, the strangers run down by trains of thought, feelings, and reason. Was Michelle McTogg? Let's give another hand. And you did just hear Colleen Lines. Lyons and Michelle McTogg from the April 2nd and the journey continues open mic reading in that monthly series and again held at the Elm Cafe. Up next in it, here are Kinman, Dean Albertini, and Sasha Hill. Up next, Kinman, let's bring him up. a couple of terms that may puzzle some of you all. Siddhartha, Gautama, Buddha, Janice is Janice Joplin. Uh, this basically is a long travel in hubris and hiatus. Drifting about in the infinite. It was never a public act. This matter of finding out where my dream is with hurt, doubts, and loss. I repeat, I'm not Siddhartha, not Jesus, to cure all with the sinful. Though a priest, I think myself, bowing my head out of respect to sin, striking his chest, voicing how he was not worthy of his Lord. I wake to this day as a poet to Janice, with her voicing of the rose, husky, young, with wrong glasses, and hope that never got out of alcohol and drugs. Here I bow to, shaking to the drum, as I wash a dirty plate after me. Films are bandied about with the hope that more will come from this desperation. Alas, that dream can never be Though our elements are close, they are worn out like ripples in a boat's wake, reflecting your face, mine, and maybe hands reaching out to hold what will never be still. So tell me, news, with the pain now easing, how I can map out Joyce's walk or Henri's fix on Chinese script. 
I'm glad that I recognize the hubris that led to the hiatus and the yesterday to bring it all back a bit. Kin man, let's give him another hand. Up next, Dean Albertini, the Supreme Up. Hello, everybody. I haven't uh, read poetry in a long time, so bear with me. This is going to be interesting. Um, so this poem is an event that happened a long time ago that was both beautiful and sad at the same time. It's like, oh man, I, I got to write, write about this. So I wrote about I wrote this poem in my early twenties. So it's it's kind of laughable, but yeah. <laughs> okay, it's called the monstrosity. She lied naked on my blue satin sheets. Her soft, white, beautiful, voluptuous figure was warm to the touch. Her blonde hair smelled like burning red roses. Her lips were so soft like a cool breeze on a sunny day. Her eyes, so big and brown, seemed to have the power to seduce any man. My mind swallowed her whole, loving each corner of flesh, each imperfection, and calling it home. But in her mind, in the deepest, darkest regions of her mind, she did not see what I saw. She saw a monstrosity. Dean Albertini, let's give her another hand. Up next, Sasha Hill, let's bring her up. Alright. 
segment kin man dean albertini and sasha hill again that was from the april 2nd and the journey continues open mic reading in that monthly series held at the elm cafe and now done as readings in the round uh, in the round and hope it played out well over the air it sounded all right to me i guess but it, it is a wonderful format and i imagine we're going to continue doing that uh, at least uh Maybe forever, but at least for the unforeseeable or the uh, whatever. For, well, let's just put it this way. That's the way we're going to do it now for a bit, <laughs> if not longer. Okay. I do have several minutes. Uh, it's the one thing about grouping these is the next groups are long enough that I wasn't able to include another group of readings, but that does allow me time. Uh, events kind of cool off a little bit after we get 
out of the first part of May. I mean, there are still events, but not as many, not like uh, I think I counted eight events this coming week, uh, counting the ones that start tomorrow. Uh, and there are at least four more the following week. But uh, it does give me a little more time to spend sharing a few of these events, and especially because some of them are tied to purposely, I guess, uh, the reading, uh, the what you've heard on the air today. Before that, though, coming up, because uh, I told you about the one on Tuesday, April 30th, and it was the Poetry Poets uh, Laureate reading at uh, the Kingston Frontenac Public Library Central Branch. Uh, that's Tuesday, April 30th, 7 to 9 p.m. Again, uh, all of the Poets uh, Laureate uh, that we've had here in Kingston, the first was Eric Folsom, and he'll be there, and then Helen Humphreys will be there as well, and incoming, and she is the outgoing uh, Poet Laureate, and the incoming uh, Poet Laureate is Jason uh, Heru, and uh, also reading with them will be Kai Pierce, Ashley Elizabeth Best, and Zoe Coulter. Following night, uh, Kingston Writers Fest uh, presents an off-season event with Bruce and Vicki Heyman. Uh, Bruce Heyman was uh, the, well, I should say Ambassador Bruce Heyman was the United States Ambassador to Canada under Barack Obama uh, from 2014 to 2017. And Vicki Heyman, uh, former American cultural envoy in Canada, uh, their new book, The Art of Diplomacy, so they'll be here uh, talking about and uh, perhaps reading a bit from it, but uh, it is uh, going to be held again Wednesday, May 1st, 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, it's at the Holiday Inn uh, waterfront in the Bellevue Room, uh, which is uh, and uh, the hotel, the Holiday Inn uh, Kingston Waterfront uh, Hotel is located right on the water at 2 Princess Street, Kingston. I'd suggest you uh, go. There is a fee, uh, $35 in advance, $40 at the door if there are still tickets available. Uh, you can, uh, I'm just going to give you the site. Uh, just go to www.kingstonwritersfest.ca and uh, look into the event. Uh, well, you can just go there directly with uh, slash event slash an evening with Bruce dash and dash Vicky dash Heyman. And again, that's H-E-Y-M-A-N. There's more information, ticket information there. There's also a Facebook event for it. So if you type Kingston Writers Fest in there, uh, you will probably be able to page down and find their event. Uh, Then also, uh, Juvenus Festival, because that has been mentioned in the first hour quite extensively, again runs May 1st through 11th in a number of different locations, Uh, contains uh, numerous events. It also contains, uh, I believe it was maybe like a dozen, I don't remember how many uh, workshops there are, but there are a lot of workshops. And this is designed, it's produced by Blue Canoe Theatrical Productions, Inc., uh, and it is designed uh, to present a number of opportunities for and to highlight and showcase talents of those in the 13 to 30-year-old age range. Uh, should mention here, this is the only one of these. There are only, what is it, two specifically group uh, or youth organizations in all of Canada, and uh, this is the only one in Ontario. I will mention, uh, as I said, this runs from May 11th through, I mean, May 1st through 11th. 
I would suggest you go to www.juvenusfestival.ca and uh, you can uh, go to uh, be sure and look for 2019. There are still some there are some old things from 2018 in there. Uh, so there's the archival section as well but if you're on 2019 uh, you can go to the festival schedule from that page or else the workshops for that page i should mention as well because it's in there but uh, i'm just going to point it out there is an opening free event held at the rotunda theater and theological hall queen's campus on april 28th and so what night is that well, what is this? The 26th? So it must be Sunday night. Is that right? It must be. Uh, and uh, April 28th at 7.30 p.m. And then on the opening evening, uh, May 1st, you already heard a Viva Voce uh, in the first hour event uh, that was themed Wonders. Uh, this, their next one is going to be the opening evening, uh, May 1st. So that would be... Getting my dates. Wednesday, May 1st, uh, they'll present their theme storytelling event again, and this one is themed uh, languages. Same place, uh, Kingston Front Neck Public Library, uh, the Central Branch, 130 Johnson Street. Again, the full event runs May 1st through 11th. So much in there. Do check out their website, www.juvenis. And that's J-U-V-E-N-I-S, festival.ca. And uh, they also have a Facebook page, too. And so uh, you can check both sites. Uh, because uh, the workshop was changed, the date from the one that was mentioned there, I will just briefly mention that... Uh, I will be hosting and are facilitating an intuitive writing workshop, uh, and that again, that is for those in this, and it's part of Juvenus Festival for those 13 to 30 years old. Uh, it's a workshop I developed about seven years ago, I guess. I've offered it a number of times. Uh, like all Juvenus workshops are free, I should point that out, all of those that she mentioned, and again, there are a lot of them. Uh, all you would need to bring for this one is a paper or a notebook. Uh, it's going to be uh, Saturday, so a week from Saturday, May 4th, from 1 to 3.30. Again, at the Kingston Front Neck Public Library, Central Branch, uh, Meeting Room 1, which is upstairs, and again, 130 Johnson Street. Uh, there is a registration page, so again, if you go into the... www.juvenusfestival.ca uh, and uh, you'll find the festival schedule 2019 uh, link, uh, and then you can just page down and then click on uh, however many of those workshops you want to go to. But that uh, that will that's also the place where you register. So yeah, uh, there is another event coming up. Uh, so we're going out a little farther, but it's worth it. Uh, a week from Monday, so May 6th, from 5:30 to 8 p.m. Uh, it's a monthly series. It's a genre fiction critique circle. Uh, and they're called uh, Writ Large a Writing Group. I'm just going to give you their uh, website because they've, they're listing not only their upcoming event, but the two into summer as well. And they will be held at the Mermaid Avenue Sandwich Factory, which is at 236 Wellington Street. Uh, that is Monday, May 6, 530 to 8 p.m. Uh, www.meetup.com. 
dot com slash writ dash large slash and all the information is there i think i've got time for one more and it's kind of appropriate because it's what we have aired today the next in the end the journey continues open mic reading series uh will be held and it's always the first tuesday of the month unless a holiday or something bars that uh a going to happen on Tuesday, May 7th, 7 to 9.30 p.m. Doors open at 6.30. Again, as you heard today, it will be done in the round. Doors open at 6.30. Readings begin shortly after 7. Sorry, just checking the time here. And uh, it's going to be our 10th birthday, so you might want to check that out. I do need to start to get out of here. I want to thank you for tuning in today. You've been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. My name is Bruce here every Friday from 4 to 6 o'clock. If you want to check out uh, the blog space for this, uh, shows will be remain there for four years. Finding a Voice on CFRCFM.wordpress.com. Please stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music and a show called Saltwater Music hosted by... Rob Carnell. Stay tuned for that. That'll be coming up right at the top of the hour. Have a great week. Thanks again. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information, or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.